Welcome survivors, burnout community, and those just interested. It's Kelly Bubolt's owner, trainer, and burnout prevention mentor, KB Training Connections. Burnout is not taboo. It's a reality in this fast-paced society. But we are not going to let it drive the narrative to our stories. We are going to do something about it. So let's dig in. As part of my services, Employer Burnout Prevention Task Forces. We dig into what is the culture like, what is the sense of chaos within their organization, and how are we gonna start combating that to prevent burnout? We might even just be recovering burnout first and then preventing burnout. So I'm gonna go through three big tips that I can give to employers. And certainly, if you wanna explore more, make sure to go to my website, grab up some more freebies, contact me for this burnout prevention brainstorming session. So let's go into the first one. The first one is effective one-on-one meetings. Now, there is leaders that meet with their employees once a month or they do team meetings once a month. That's not enough. The changing of the times and how fast this world is changing, you need to check in with your employees often. And there's certain things you can do to make your one-on-one meetings effective so they don't get boring or you repeat the same agenda again and again and again. We go through one-on meetings in more detail within my coaching program, but here are some tips that employers can start establishing and supporting so that we can start preventing burnout in our workforce instead of doing the cleanup. So during effective one-on-one meetings, you should probably commit and dedicate a time per employee and leader. Now, I've even seen at companies, they have full days, like Wednesdays are no meeting days, and the only means you can have is with your boss to make sure that you have dedicated one-on-one meetings. You can also just have every other Thursday that leaders meet. Whatever you wanna set up, how are you gonna commit and dedicate time to these meetings instead of constantly interrupting them with meetings, pulling them out for projects, and dismantling all the hard work that goes into creating relationships and making sure that you're preventing burnout. What is discussed in these meetings does matter. What are the top three priorities of the company? What's the top three priorities of the department? What are current hurdles the companies are the company's going through or that the employee has? What are the excitement or wins to celebrate? And what are some falls that we need to reroute and get back up? These are all areas that should never be a surprise to a leader when an employee is having a difficult time or even a great time. It's interesting when I hear of leaders say, I don't know why he left. We never saw that coming or we didn't know anything was wrong. That's when you know that leadership and the company did wrong by the employee. There are certainly times where employees do not want to talk, but if you're doing these one-on-one meetings correctly, you're building up that communication and rapport scale it's not going to happen. It's not going to be a surprise. Another thing to do in the one-on-one meetings is add one value question per meeting or maybe even per month if you're just starting out to build that trust. These can be simple questions like what do they like working on? What don't they like working on that maybe you can systemize or figure out how to make it better? Where do they want to go? What departments do you connect to that you can work together to make more actions and outcomes? When is there an available time during that meeting to add a teach me moment back to the boss? We're constantly retrieving information from our boss, priorities and instruction. There's a lot of value that people can bring within their skill sets to teach the boss something. And that again, builds that trust and rapport. What type of alignment needs to happen across the company or departments? Now, if you're having these one-on-one meetings and then your leaders are having their meetings, 
you can start to see dysfunction and correct it early versus this department's after that department and how to get this way over the last three years. We've been assigning workload to each other and not communicating. It should never be a surprise again. If people are communicating effectively and honestly, the surprises don't happen. Another great discussion could be, what could the team approve on? What opportunity or suggestive ideas do they have? Now, you may be thinking, we have team meetings and we ask those questions and no one says anything. Or maybe this person always talks. Well, there's going to be the shrinking violets and the people that are quiet in group settings that don't say anything. But they'll say something during a one-on-one session, especially when you start building that trust. And they might have the idea that changes your department or even changes your organization. I remember some of the quiet people that we had in our organization, when they would speak, people would listen. Not because they were shocked that this person was finally talking, but because they waited to speak with purpose. They waited until they had so much value pouring out of them that then they opened their mouth and had the idea we would run with. So you got to make sure you're giving those opportunities and that space for those quiet people to speak. So the first big tip I can give in employer burnout prevention is effective one-on-one meetings. Having an action that comes out of what you hear. If you're going to be the boss that listens, 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 and never acts on what you're hearing, acts on the hurdles, acts on their struggles, acts on realigning their team, then you shouldn't be a leader because leaders take that information and they act. The second one that employers can do for burnout prevention is team meetings. So we spoke to the individuals, we're getting them aligned, we're prioritizing, we're building value, we're building their skill sets. Now we're going to do some team meetings. These can be done bi-weekly, monthly, it all depends if you're in-person, if you're hybrid, if you're all work from home. It really all depends on the dynamic of your organization. But you want to start creating a community and a shared vision that everyone's working towards the same direction. They should be celebrating the wins together, their falls, the opportunities, so that when a boss goes on vacation for a week, the team doesn't fall apart. Now, there's clients that I've worked with where that was the case. The boss said, I can't sign off when I go on vacation because the team literally eats each other alive when I'm gone. That shows me there's so much dysfunction in the team that there's no camaraderie, there's no community, they don't trust each other without mom or dad there, right? It's just like family dysfunction. I have three very young children, and when mom and dad aren't around, it's chaos. Actually, when mom and dad are around, it's chaos. It's just a little more organized. There should be workload discussions during these team meetings, not specific to the individual, but maybe something they're overloaded with that maybe someone else can help them out with or share a systemized solution that they created. It's a shared communication area to support one another. Again, it's that time where you're building it up so if the boss disappears, the boss is on vacation, that they have the support of one another. So if stuff's hitting the fan while that boss is gone, they can contact each other. They can contact their peers in order to find the solution, move forward until the boss gets back. Another great thing to do during team meetings is show and tell. When you have a lot of turnover or a lot of new employees, do they even know anything about each other? You need to take turns bragging about their hobbies, bragging about their things, bragging about their pictures. An easy exercise is 
everyone go around the table or go around the Zoom session and share the background of your phone. Most people, that's a value to them what the picture of the phone is. It could be kids, dogs, flowers, their last trip, their, their recent hike. Show and tell. Let's learn about each other. Again, we're humanizing this work team. If people are less likely to be spiteful, to distrust, humanize nature. It's similar to internet bullies, right? An internet bully will comment on whatever they see on the internet. If they see this person face to face, they're very unlikely to say the same statement. So we're humanizing the team. They should be there for each other. This is also a great retention strategy because people are less likely to leave during hard times or stressful times because they don't want to leave their team, their peers, their co-workers, their family. So team meetings are important. The worst thing you can do is start team meetings and then stop them because you get busy. It basically shows you don't value the community you just built. Same with one-on-one meetings. If things get busy, certainly you can spread them out to every two weeks or a little later, but do not dismantle all that work you just built. The third area that employers can do to prevent burnout is create communities or an actual burnout prevention task force. And there's some clients that I work for that do not like the burnout word. They think it's too harsh and paints an unwell workforce. Well, that's why I'm even meeting with them, right? So it's kind of ironic. So you can call that building resiliency. You can call it a wellness task force, whatever fluffy term you want to use. The goal is create a community of cross-department employees to align and encourage the workforce that isn't your usual leaders. Especially in flat organizations, there's not a lot of opportunity for people to move up progressively or even move around. So this gives them an opportunity to lead in an area maybe they're passionate about, and they don't just have to do their normal work. They get super passionate to come into work. They get prideful to be involved without the big title. They can also bring some true view of what's going on instead of guessing or assuming. There's nothing worse than executive staff guessing at what a blue collar or the lower tiered workforce wants without any of those people in the discussion. You're basically just throwing darts blindly to say, they want this. So the committees are gonna bring true view of what's going on. It also spreads out the workload so it's sustainable. A lot of work gets put on executives and leaders during these change management and prevention type of programs, but they can't fit any more workload. So why are we putting more on? It's gonna be the first thing out the door when things get busy or chaotic. They won't. It's gonna be the first thing off their list. So if you find a group that's passionate about it, then spread out the workload so it is sustainable. Don't overload the people that are already overloaded. Mix it up for everyone else that wants to be involved. Be consistent in meeting, follow-up, and action so that that committee or task force doesn't fall apart. And then make sure before you even announce this committee or task force opportunity that there is backup and support from the top down. I am not just saying that because that's what you say top down. I am saying that because it can be even more dangerous if you begin a committee or a task force that the workforce is passionate about 
and then the top leadership dismantles it once it gets busy or there's not enough funds there, so you dismantle it. That can be poison to a workforce. You can have a dysfunctional workforce or a burnt out workforce and then start going into that hopium, that direction with the workforce and they start getting excited about the change. And the moment you dismantle it or don't support it, you don't have a burnt out workforce anymore. You have a workforce on fire. They will be cynical. They will be resentful. You gave them hope and you took it away. They will become extremely disengaged and cynical. Any new initiative you do thereafter will basically be questioned. They will automatically be thinking you are a threat or that you're trying to take another thing away from them. So make sure that third tip, do not start a committee or task force until you are 100% on board from top down financially, time commitment, and forward future. I hope that these three tips on employer burnout prevention for effective one-on-one meetings, team meetings, and then creating a committee or task force around the topic was helpful. If you want to dig into it for your specific organization, it's about a two-hour brainstorming session that we can do virtually and dig into every part of burnout prevention and create a step-by-step plan for your organization to get it back into productivity, energy, and community. You cannot recover from burnout with prescriptions, procedures, or surgery. Come join a holistic community that specializes in burnout to begin your recovery. Each month for only $10, get a specialist lecture, worksheets, and action planning delivered right to your email. Take it from a burnout survivor when I say, your recovery begins with just one action step. Burnout is a confusing and lonely journey. I want you to know you're not alone. I hope to see you here again for more recovery tips and education. If you enjoyed this episode, please share with your family and friends. If no one shared the word burnout with me, I don't know where I would be today.